You know, there, there are a lot of good fishermen who like to tell a lot of good stories. And I'm sure, like me, you have probably heard good fishermen tell you over and over again about the fish they caught that was about this long. And then the next time they told you the story, it was about that long. And the last time they told you the story, it was probably about yay long. Or maybe it was about the story of the crappie that was really fighting with them that somehow turned into like a six-pound bass. They just knew it. Or the, the three fish, the three fish that by the end of the day turned into three buckets of fish that I just put back in the water. My papa used to tell me those were called whoppers. And the fish story that I have to tell you today, I want you to know, is, is certainly not a whopper. But it's truth. It's God's truth. And it's a powerful truth. And I know it to be true because Jesus Himself confirmed it as such. When Jesus said in Matthew 12, beginning in verse 40, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be there, or be th- three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. So you see, Jesus said that He believed it, therefore I believe it to be true. But if by chance you have a hard time believing the account of Jonah, I do understand. Because I understand that when you start talking about a man being swallowed by a fish, truly there is no way in our human understanding to be able and make this work. But don't look at it through man's eyes. You see, the way that Jonah spent that time in the belly of the fish is a God thing. And a lot of times in our faith, that's the way we must accept things. That things are beyond our human comprehension, but that God in His infinite power, He certainly can do and make nature do whatever He so desires. And besides, this story of Jonah is not a story about a fish. It's really a story about God. And it illustrates for us in a very powerful way how powerful God is but also how compassionate our God is. So who's Jonah? Jonah was a contemporary of Amos and Hosea. He was a prophet of God. He he was a prophet during the time of King Jeroboam, who was a very evil king. God had given to Jonah a a new job, a task, if you will. Go to Nineveh and preach. Now, on the surface, that may seem like a pretty simple thing. God says you go and preach, you go and preach. But it wasn't that simple. You see, Nineveh was located in Assyria. And Assyria was a bad place. And all of the countries that surrounded Assyria were very much afraid of them. And so you see, for Jonah to be told to go and preach in Nineveh, Oh man, it's, it's risky. He, he certainly could be putting his own life at risk. But you know, even beyond that, by the children of Israel, His people, 
You know, he knew they wouldn't be real pleased with him if he went and preached to those in Nineveh. For you see, Hosea had already prophesied that at some point, Israel would fall to Assyria. Maybe you remember these words of Hosea in Hosea 9, beginning in verse 1. Rejoice not, O Israel. Exult not like the people. For you have played the whore, forsaking your God. You have loved a prostitute's wages on all threshing floors. Threshing floor and wine vat shall not feed them, and the new wine shall fail them. They shall not remain in the land of the Lord. But Ephraim shall return to Egypt, and they shall eat unclean food in Assyria. So what does Jonah do? What does Jonah do when he has been given this task to go preach in Nineveh? I know you remember the story. You remember how he tried to run away. Let's look at it together in Jonah chapter 1. I'm going to pick up reading in verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid his fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Now, I don't believe for one moment that Jonah believed he could actually get away from the literal presence of God. You see, Jonah knew that God is everywhere in the same way that we do. I can't help but wonder if maybe he wouldn't have even thought about what the psalmist had wrote in Psalm 139, there beginning of verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. So in other words, there's this understanding that God is everywhere, all the time, ever-present. He is here. And so surely Jonah would have known that God was going to be in Tarshish too. That no matter where he tried to run, no matter where he decided to go, God was still going to be there. When we say that Jonah is running from God, what we're really saying is Jonah is trying to get out of doing the will of God. Many of us, We've been guilty of this same behavior at different times in our life, maybe even right now, where we know that there are things that we see right here in, in the very Word of God, things that we see in Scripture, things that we know are His will, but we don't like it. We don't like it. We don't want to hear it. We choose to ignore it. And so what are we doing? In our own way, just like Jonah we're trying to run. We're trying to get away from the very will of God. Some will run from their faith. Some will run from family. Some will run from the church. And we will run to anything and everything to try to preoccupy our mind. Whether it be worldly entertainment or social media or our hobbies or our careers, we will do whatever we can possibly do, whatever is in our power to do, to try to distract ourselves from what the will of God is in our life. Because we don't want to listen. We don't want to hear. We don't want to obey. 
And so we hope that we can just flee from the presence of God. If I just get so busy doing something else, then I can just ignore what the expectations of God are from me and from my life. What is the will of God in your life that you know this very morning you're ignoring, you're justifying, you're running from? What is it? And is it something... Is it something that you will finally humbly surrender to? That you'll finally listen to the will of God? Something you'll finally obey? Or will you continue to try and outrun God? Now thankfully, God didn't give up on Jonah. Going back to Jonah verse one, chapter 1, verse 4, rather, it says, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Now, some may say, good. (laughs) I am glad that God's wrath was seen that day upon that disobedient servant Jonah. He knew what he was supposed to do and God dropped that hammer on him right then and there with that storm. I don't believe that's what happened. I don't believe that what we see here is an example of the wrath of God. I believe what we see here is an example of the love and the compassion of God. Because you see, what God did here was He loved Jonah too much to just let Jonah continue to try and run away from him. He loved Jonah too much to just allow Jonah to continue to try and separate himself from God. To get further and further away from God. Because he knew, Jonah knew, we know. Outside of God, when there's separation from God, there is no life. There is only death and hell. God knows that. Jonah knew that. We know that. And so here is this this storm that comes up from God to get Jonah's attention so that he'll stop running from God. You see, what Jonah thought he was doing in his human mind, he thought, I'm just running toward Tarshish. But God knew what Jonah was running toward. It wasn't toward Tarshish. By running away from God, Jonah was running toward condemnation. And God loved him too much. God showed too much compassion to let that happen to Jonah. And God loves us too much, church. He loves us too much as His children, as as Christians. He loves us too much to allow us to throw away the hope of heaven. To throw away the promise of life everlasting. He loves us too much to see us run away from Him and run to the things of this world and run toward condemnation instead of staying with Him. He loves us too much to just watch that happen. And so sometimes... Sometimes storms come up in our life 
where God's trying to get us to pay attention. Where God's trying to get us to remember who's in control. Where God's trying to get us to remember who we are and who who we belong to. And so it could be that, that maybe there's a storm in your life right now that's going on. Maybe, maybe the questions that we need to ask ourselves in, those, in those, some of those storms, not all of them, but in some of them, very honest questions, very revealing questions, very reflective questions. Is God trying to get my attention? Is there something in my life? Is there, is there something where I'm living disobedient to Him and He's trying to get my attention so that I will finally begin living for Him as He has instructed me to live? Is He trying to get my attention before, before it is everlasting too late? And understand in those moments... Understand in those storms, and when we do experience those maybe moments of clarity, understand that that storm from God is not there because God is punishing you. Understand that in that moment, that storm is there to help us see and to know how truly compassionate and loving our God is. And that He is giving us this, this second chance, if you will, right here in the moment make things right to live our life how he's called us to live it so that we would finally open up our eyes and stop ignoring his will and finally begin to live for him the way that he has called for us the way that he commands for us to live for him let's go back to our text picking up in verse 5 and then I'm going to go down to verse 13 It says, Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Verse 13 says, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. You know, I know, I know that when it comes to the storms of this life, we don't like to think that, that our uh, mistakes in this life and the storms we go through I know we don't like to think that it could ever hurt anyone else but us. We think, well, my actions, my consequences, and it's not about anyone else. That's very short-sighted on our part. Because you see, when we do find ourselves maybe in a moment of a storm God has put in our life, it can definitely impact the lives of others. Listen, what would have happened eternally if, if Jonah would have not gone to Nineveh? Surely the eternity of souls would have been put in jeopardy. Here you have these these sailors who as a result of, of Jonah's disobedience to God, these sailors' lives are put in jeopardy. Don't for one moment think that in this life that your actions don't impact anyone else. Because they do whether it's your spouse or your kids, whether it's your brethren or your friends, when we are living our life not in accordance with the will of God, there are consequences. There is a ripple effect. And it impacts so many more 
than we would ever imagine. I think one of the things that we see here in this text, it's also important for us to remember when it comes to these storms, is it doesn't matter what you may think or hope or what you may try to do. You can't fix it. There's nothing that you or I can do on my own when we are in the midst of the storm to simply fix the storm. There was nothing that these sailors could do to quiet the waves. They tried to get rid of cargo. They tried to row harder. They did everything in their power. Yet the storm continued to rage. But during all of this, Where's Jonah? Well, let's go back to the latter part of verse 5. Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. Now maybe when you read that, it kind of strikes uh, a memory and you automatically think about the time that Jesus was sleeping in the boat in the midst of the storm. It's a beautiful story, by the way. But that's pretty much where the parallel between Jonah and Jesus ends. You see, the reason that Jesus was able to sleep so soundly is because He knew they were in no danger. Because He had what? He had power over wind and waves itself. Jonah didn't have that. Jonah didn't have the power over nature. Jonah wasn't sleeping simply because he felt so safe and so secure. Maybe Jonah was sleeping because He was just in denial. He he was just in denial as to what was really going on, as to what his role in it all up to this point had been. Just didn't want to face it. Or, Or maybe he, like so many of us at times, you know what, he just felt hopeless. That whatever was going to happen was going to happen. There was nothing he could do about it anyway. And so I'm just going to get in bed and pull the covers up over my head and just lay here until it's over. When there is a storm in our life, we can't control it. We can't fix it. When there is a storm in our life, we we have to do more, though, than just pulling the, the covers up over our head and hope it goes away. So as children of God's, what is our option? We cry out to our God. We cry out to our God for mercy, for understanding, for compassion. The captain of this ship, he seemed to have somewhat of an understanding of that. As you see in verse 6, the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And that's, that's it. That is the best decision when in any storm... Stop trying to fix it yourself. Stop trying to to deny the storm exists. Stop trying to hide from the storm. Cry out to God. Cry out to Him for help. Cry out to Him for mercy. Cry out to Him for strength. Cry out to Him for understanding. Cry out to God. Because He, He is the control. He is the power. They said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lots fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, 
Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? He said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry lands. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you've done? For the men knew. They knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. And they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it's because of me this great tempest has come upon you. Jonah. Jonah, in his disobedience, he has put a lot of innocent people in danger here. But still, still Jonah is willing, and this is a beautiful thing on his behalf, he's willing to sacrifice himself for the good of the whole. I tell you, it is absolutely never too late for us to live a life for the glory of God It's never too late for us to begin living our life in such a way that it does bring God great glory because I tell you what, it is amazing. It is amazing what God in His power can do through all of us. We are flawed individuals. We are sinful people. But yet, God, God in His compassion, God in His power, God can accomplish great good for His glory, even through us. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And don't you know, don't you know those sailors never forgot what they saw that day? Those sailors never forgot how they had encountered the one true God. Not the gods that they all had been crying out to with little to no avail. Don't you know they walked away from there going, there is one God. This this God of this Hebrew. He has power over the, the wind and the rain. He has power over the sea. Not only does he have power, he has such love and compassion because he spared every one of them. And as we know, he would spare Jonah as well. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing to know that we serve a God who is all-powerful yet all-loving? And again, if God can use Jonah, then think about how He can use each and every one of us if we will finally, completely surrender, listen to Him, and obey His will. Or maybe today, maybe today you just find yourself in the midst of a storm. If you do, I want you to know you're not alone. And if you would like for us 
cry out to God. To go to Him in prayer on your behalf. To, to cry out for His mercy. To cry out for His understanding. To cry out for His, his, his strength. To cry out for whatever it is that may be going on in the midst of your life. Going on in the midst of your storm. We would be honored to do just that. If we can help you in any way, won't you come as we stand and sing?